Hello, I'm attorney Stephen R. Golden of Stephen R. Golden and Associates. Our firm is a full-service law firm dedicated to the middle class and businesses. We excel in areas of business and real estate, law, and litigation. Our firm can also reduce your debt through negotiation or bankruptcy. Our attorneys have experience in wills, trusts, and probate, helping you to maintain your family's wealth and pass it on to your loved ones without taxes. For a free consultation, give us a call at 626-228-2710. That's 626-228-2710. 626-228-2710. God loves L.A. KKLA-FM, Los Angeles. Time to dive into another hour of Living by the Word, and it is sponsored by the Friends of Living by the Word Ministries on 99.5 KKLA. Living by the Word does not necessarily reflect the views of KKLA staff, management, or sponsors. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers, the second half of the broadcast. My name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton with Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH. And we have Daryl ready to receive your phone call. Daryl, what a why at Give him a call right now at one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven, which are open, honest question, and we want to give you a biblical response. Listen, if you happen to call uh, Steve Golden, because some of the other commercials we don't necessarily reflect our view at Bible Information Brokers, but Stephen Golden is a friend of the ministry, and if you happen to call his office, let him know that you heard about his uh, office from our broadcast, Bible Information Brokers. That'd be very helpful to both sides. Now, listen, folks, if you happen to hear the professor's um, gospel presentation and then accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you do that between now and next week, let me give you a phone number where you can dial and let Brian and I know. We'd love to give you a call back, welcome to the family, and then give you some information on how you might be able to connect with a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church in your area. That number you can call us at, and you can just a 24-hour number, and you leave us a voice message, and we'll get back to you, is one eight six six. That's 866. It's toll-free. 866-929-2514. 866-929-2514. Please give us a call, especially those folks who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior based upon the gospel message, the good news that Professor gave you on the other side of the break. Now, we're going to get back to the phone calls and. You can also send us an email question. We have the ability to receive your question by going to our website, Bible Info Brokers, BibleInfoBrokers.com, and send us an email question that way, and you can navigate and learn a little bit more about the ministry. And you also see some pictures that PCH took over there in uh, Miramar. PCH, I'm going to ask that you uh, spend a little time right quick before we get back to the phone call. So, Doug, Steve, hang in there. And those of you that want to call in, please call in with your questions right now while we um, – you know, setting up the phone calls at one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. So PCH, if you can let the people know that that trip, that those that didn't necessarily hear last week about the trip, not the, not the, all the the, the the luggage issues, but just the idea about the beauty of being able to take some pictures and share with the folks who supported you both prayerfully and financially. Well, thanks, Gerald. Yeah, I had the privilege of going back to India. I've been there a number of times where we've been training pastors for a number of years and Christian leaders. Uh, equipping them to better uh, address uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, higher Krishnaism, Baha'ism, you know, what have you, a uh, number of religions and uh, movements and so forth, and just making them better Christian pastors. Uh, some of them already have masters, but some of them have no formal training, and we were given the privilege of doing that. So 
we did that. We just graduated our third class, uh, but but I, uh, in doing that, but I also had the pleasure to go to uh, the border of India and Myanmar, and uh, basically train almost thirty Christian leaders, most of them pastors, uh, from Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar's old Burma, if it's not ringing a bell with you, uh, the country basically is almost, if you will, if not officially Buddhist. Uh, it's run by you know the military. The military there was an overthrow, uh, a coup, a number of years ago. Uh, the joke is Thailand, like Burma, has a coup every five, ten years, whether they need one or not. It's kind of a joke. But at any rate, I had the incredible privilege of uh, working with these uh, these leaders and helping to train them, equip them to further deal with the issues that they're dealing with. And it was just a phenomenal privilege, Daryl. And we actually met a facility. We changed the venue because we wanted to use the funds that were being generated for their their room and board, their keep, if you will, and the meals to help support uh, a particular church in the area. Uh, the pastor, by the way, they had attempted to stone him a number of years back, not these guys, but earlier, because it's right on the border with Hinduism and and uh, Buddhism, and the only thing they agreed on was they don't like Christians. So he got the short end of that one. Uh, but this pastor, just a great man of God, has an orphanage as well there, and uh, so by our using their facility, such as it was, and uh, helping them feed us, it, it basically we actually gave a donation as well. But the money went to support the orphanage and yes. the work of that church. So, Daryl, I, I just uh, I would just say it this way: it was uh, I've traveled, as you know, internationally a number of times. Not my first rodeo, not even close. <laughs> uh, it was my worst travel experience, and I'll spare people all those stories <laughs> and, for another time. But I did prevail against the pig in the outhouse, by the way. Uh, so that's a story for another time. If you didn't hear that. Drum roll, <laughs> uh, drum roll. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did prevail. Um, but at any rate, um, but seriously though, Daryl, but it was probably uh, I would say the most powerful ministry I've ever had been involved in as far as just uh, being able to equip the, these individuals and and their gratitude and their sharpness and what they're doing, just uh, incredible work. Many of these guys have been jailed, Daryl, rested for their faith. Mm. Um, you know, so it's you, you're really uh, humbled because you're like, uh, these guys outclass me. You know, yeah, they come from dire poverty, but, I mean, there's no comparison for what they go through on a regular daily basis. And how I live and how they live is just, the, the difference is so stark, so, such a contrast. Uh, but these guys were very thankful. We took a lot of materials. I was way over the luggage limit, and uh, I always laugh. I, I get my weight lifting workout, carrying all this stuff over, and I come back much, much lighter. Um, I'm all my bags and whatnot. One of them alone weighed 28 pounds, one of my carry-ons. It's not supposed to. I don't mean my big bag, my carry-on, one of them. The other one was close to the same, and the other one was way over the 50-pound limit. But we gave them this material, and we trained them. And, Daryl, I just I count this as just a, probably um, my greatest honor ever, getting to do this, and in particular this last trip. It was just such a privilege of working with these leaders and helping to better equip them for uh, their ministry and what they're doing, and them training trainers and training leaders, let alone their congregations. Just uh, just a phenomenal experience, Daryl. Uh, and you'll see some of the pictures. Again, a lot of them I'm having trouble loading because I had two two phones, an international phone and a phone where I put a local SIM card, and the, the SIM card's out. 
of the one and I have pictures on there and I'm still trying to find a way to load those up and put those get those up on Facebook as well but some of them are there and you can see many of the individuals that we helped to, uh, to train and, and just kind of what it's like there really appreciate that folks and again we want to thank all those that participated not only prayerfully but also financially yeah. in support of the professor on that trip and uh, up and coming trip so folks listen I'll let you know how you can um, actually participate in giving in this broadcast and also the ongoing work that we have with Bible Information Brokers and then also uh, have money in the coffers so we can be able to have a uh, you know, actually send money back to the orphanage and things like that. PPCH would be great to be able to do that through our through our ministry like that as well. Yeah, Daryl, and 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 I know, and you certainly didn't say this, but I want to make this very clear. This is not some club med trip. <laughs> Most people would never want to go where we went. Yes, yes, yes. Um, this is not some cruise thing, and I'm not against that per se. But that, that's not what this is. This was a trip to equip uh, people in leadership, uh, equip Christian ministers the gospel. Myanmar is one of the toughest nations to preach the gospel in in the world. Maybe you've heard about these uh, unreached people groups. Well, who do you think a lot of these guys are going to? They they are, many of them, the areas I go to, not just there. We go to Nepal, we go to Bhutan, we have leaders from there, from Bangladesh, um, into Myanmar, Thailand, other nations around there. uh, That sounds a little further away, of course. But at any rate, surrounding nations. Uh, that's where these leaders are going, going back to their people where they're from. They're not just from India. That'd be great enough with about 1.3 billion people. That's not too shabby, 1.2, 1.3 billion, somewhere in there. Um, so, Daryl, but it was, and, and I really attribute, I attribute what I'm going to call the success of this, and by that I'm, I'm saying the fruitfulness of the ministry and mm. the, the results of it uh, to the prayers and, and the financial support of our listeners, because our, our listeners... They basically, they, the, the lodging, the, the travel, the lodging, the food, that was paid for, for by our listeners. Beautiful. So you'll go on there and see a picture. So you're looking down a table of 30-plus uh, people, uh, over 30, and you paid. You, it was your ties, It was your offerings, your gifts that made that possible, that fed these leaders. So you can thank the Lord you know, for your faithfulness because you made this possible. We did this together. This wasn't just me going there. I attribute the... The, the, the fruitfulness of this particular trip, and, and Daryl, the feasibility. If we hadn't raised the funds, we couldn't have had to have yeah. the meetings yeah. because we couldn't have had the funds to, to pay for all the expenses. It all went out, and it was because of the faithfulness of our listeners and their prayers. And again, the consistent giving uh, folks yeah. and ministries that you know about and you can be able to put your hands on and be able to get credibility back is so very important. So we do appreciate you always in advance. We really appreciate it. PCH, let's go back to the phone calls and give the people an opportunity to call in. We have some open lines available at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Or go to Bible Info Brokers, send us an email question. You can simply go in there and contact us. And, you know, you can send uh, comments and everything, but we're going to take questions today. Uh, so we take your questions, but, you know, feel free to leave comments and prayer requests and things like that um, at BibleInfoBrokers.com. And just click on contact us. Now, let's get back to the uh, phone calls, PCH, and talk with Steve in the city of Los Angeles. Steve, thanks for holding on and calling in. Dale, God bless you. Uh, also, brother. And welcome back, uh, Professor Craig. God bless you, sir. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, as a, I'm a U.S. veteran, you guys know that. And I, I just, my question is that I, when I fellowship at churches, you know, different churches that I go to, I, I see this reoccurring theme to where there are a lot of individuals that hold 
um, democratic views. And I know that, and I, I like what the gentleman that answered the call, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but uh, Daryl with a Y. He, he spells his yeah. name wrong, that's all. He's very, what he said was right on. I mean, you can't serve two masters. Right. I understand that. Uh, but, you know, I do support our president. I did vote for him. Um, and, and the main thing for me is, the one thing for me is, I'm pro-life, you know? that That's that's not even a, a decision uh, for me. And I, I struggle with the fact that sometimes I, I try not to take it at heart and just pray for people. But um, the question is this. Um, how are how can someone be called a Democrat and the, the platform of abortion and, and other things? And how does that, in my opinion, that's like starkly contrast to the Bible. If I'm off here, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a number of ideas and arguments here, and uh, we're going to get in the mix, the mix of this, of course. And... Um, it is difficult, and some would say, well, look, there's a number of issues besides this one. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. And uh, if you're pro-life, it's not just, you know, not having abortion, but it's uh, providing for people to have a livelihood, to be, have an education, uh, food, and, and, and shelter, if you will. And so there's a number of dynamics here, and, I, you know, there's a number of uh, ideas and thinking that go on. Uh, but, but, but I do understand your concern for the, the, the issue of abortion, and that's a watershed issue with me as well. Uh, I believe the Bible is very clear. This is not a potential human. It's a human with potential. The arguments based upon theology, but not just theology, science, hardcore medicine, hardcore biology, this is not a blob. This is not an appendage. This is not an extra appendix or a liver even or what have you. Um, you know, it is a human being. And, and there are there is great works on this. I think of, uh, for example, Frank Beckwith's book, Politically Correct Death, that deals with euthanasia, in particular, uh, predominantly abortion. I think of uh, the early churches and, and our, our Jewish uh, friends have, have held to the sanctity of life as well, classically. Um, the Old Testament view is such. Uh, there's a great book, it's a small book, by a guy named Michael Gorman, G-O-R-M-A-N, G-O-R-M-A-N. M-A-N, abortion in the early church, and he shows unequivocally that the view of the early church was is that the unborn is, is a human being, and therefore they were against, uh, you know, euthanasia, uh, and, uh, you know, letting children die of exposure was, was common in Roman world and, and otherwise, and parts of Greece such as Spartans, Sparta and so on and so forth. So to me, it, it is a watershed issue, and I, I think that everybody has to wrestle with their conscience, is what I'm going to say, is how do you justify your view and they're going to have to give arguments that they think that the countermand that, that counteract that, that are equal to or greater than this issue, or they're going to, of course, try to give you arguments, well, it's, it's okay. And I'm going to argue biblically, uh, unequivocally, that abortion is not okay, uh, that it is a taking of a human life. And, and people can try to give me arguments, well, look, you know, and if a mother's life's in danger, you, you, the, these arguments, they, I teach ethics. I teach ethics to graduate students. That doesn't fly. Uh, those type of arguments, if you think these things through and you're faithful to the Word of God and the biblical view, and I would argue give thoughtful articulation to them, as, as like people like Scott Klusendorf done a lot of really good work, Scott Klusendorf, uh, again, Frank Beckwith, and there's a number of others who do have present you know, great uh, materials uh, written and uh, uh, verbal on this, uh, I think are just phenomenal, or I should say oral, verbal, still written, 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I would I have to ask them that as well. How do you deal with that? Look, I'm not going to give the carte blanche appeal to the Republican Party. I think they do some things that are despicable. Uh, I, I have some areas of disagreement. I, I'm not. I would just say this. I'm not clearly in the Republican camp or the Democratic camp, but 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 I have to vote my conscience, and I do vote. Uh, I have a problem with Christians who just give me this pietistic, well, I'm just going to pray. They often don't even pray about it. You know, when the Bible tells us to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, well, we are Caesar. This exactly. is a representative form of government. We are the government. But the problem is we're so conspicuous by our absence. We often don't get involved until we're just so ticked off and upset about something, and then we go back to sleep again. And so I believe that people, uh, people like my father fought for the freedom, risked their life. My, my father, we lost many family members and we lost many friends in various battles for the freedoms that, that I and others get to enjoy, and then people don't seem to appreciate those. And uh, I believe we have to be ever vigilant. And, yeah, this country has a lot of problems and issues, but they're not going to get better by Christians just uh, playing um, hide-and-seek or something or, or, or staying in the holy huddle or sacred city or something. The apathy we, game. I think we need to be involved, and I think Christians need to, yeah, yeah, we need to pray, and yeah, we need to be uh, seeking God and His grace and favor, but we also need to be involved in government. Um, I, so, I really believe in that. Professor Craig, so you, you think that it's okay, I mean, because I've heard different views, I mean, and I, I hold your view as well, too. I'm not a party person. I'm an individual uh, based upon their character, their, you know, what their platform and their, is. And the so platform. I'm not a party person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, to me, you, you're saying that we should be proactive in our government. I mean, Absolutely. I feel we should. Yeah. Absolutely. This, yeah. this passive, pietistic stuff of, uh, I'm just going to pray, I'm convinced most of the people don't even pray, number one. Right. And, and number two, and uh, just straight up, uh, I'm not going to mince words. The number two is the Bible doesn't say just pray. It just says if your brother's hungry, it doesn't say just be warm, be filled. It says no, feed him, First. right? Help the poor, help the oppressed. Uh, uh, so I vote on a given candidate, their platform. And three big issues for me, three seminal issues for me, was the abortion issue, number one. Number two was the future of the Supreme Court and what they're putting on us. And, and the other one was the, uh, the uh, candidate's view of Israel. Those were the right. three issues for me that uh, I primarily look to. There are others, but those are, uh, those are the weightiest matters for, for me personally. Let, so, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say this, Stephen and PCH, that uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in you guys' camp in that. I have some other issues that I deal with. Those three that you mentioned, Craig, are very important to me. But I, I'm, more, I'm, I'm like this. Jesus said it like he said to the Pharisees when they were tripping on the fact that the guys didn't ceremonially wash their hands. And, and he said what Isaiah said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy, you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching doctrines and precepts of men. Listen, the type of government that, Craig, you mentioned that we have, we are the government. And so right. to the degree that we sit back in our apathetic seats and not do anything. Now, I've worked for the government. I've seen I'm So, I mean, I, you know, we, we, we call these people honorable, but the, the idea the seat is honorable that they hold. It's not them that's so honorable. It's the seat that they hold. We want to respect the position. Well, sure. And, and you have to deal with that. So we need to Romans, stop talking yeah. and do something about it. Romans 13, government is ordained by God. Exactly. I have a two-volume set here. It's called Pol Political Sermons of the American Founding Era from 1730 to 1805. It's a massive two-volume set. And some people say, well, these guys compromised. I say, no, they didn't. They, 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 their Christianity had practical application. It's like the issue of social justice. 
uh, I don't see it as either or. I see it as both yes. and. Christians should be involved. I, I'm involved with the issue of human trafficking. I go to countries in Asia, and we attempt to deal with that and force governments to do what's right, because they won't do it without somebody squeezing them. Um, the other issue here is, uh, again, look at it, go back to Israel. I don't say Israel like America, right, wrong, or indifferent, no matter what we do. Israel does things that are wrong at times, and I'm going to call them out on it. I'm not just going to say, well, it's Israel. I always back them. I always support them. But, but, but the countries and people who are dedicated to their demise and pushing them into the sea so they don't exist, you know, so they have no problem with believing they should be allowed to exist, but they don't want Israel to have a right to that land and whatnot. So at any rate, I think Christians have to be thinkers. I think we need to be involved. Yeah, we need to be praying. We need to be praying people. You bet. I don't think, I'll be blunt. I don't think most Christian leaders do enough praying. I think they think they're too busy. I think of Luther. You know, we're about to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation officially, with Luther putting the 95 theses on the, the door of Wittenberg of the Church in uh, October, you know, uh, in 1517. But Luther said he was so. Here's a basic quote from him. Luther said he was so busy, but he could not afford but to pray two to three hours every day. And see, that's what I believe is. Yeah, we ought to be radical prayer warriors. But we also be ought to be radically engaged. Now I'm not uh, okay. Yeah, I'm you? sorry. I appreciate both your integrity and this show. I really do. It's 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 a blessing. Uh, but my well, my question you. is: should I should I not look? Should I not have bad thoughts when I? Uh, how do I say this? Um, I don't believe in the abortion, and like you said, I mean, there's other things too. But should I not? Qu- I don't want to question somebody in their true Christian faith because I, I can't I can't marry like. Someone that believes it's okay to support an organization that believes in killing. So I just I, I can't well, understand well, it. Like Planned Parenthood. Huh. Yeah. Well, let me just say this. And actually, I know it's not like I was waxing elephants there, but I'm, it goes to my point. I believe the problem is Christians are there's Neil Postman's classic work, entertaining ourselves to death, right? Um, okay. And the the point is, many Christians. I'm not against having nice things, nice cars, and possessions. But most of us, these are idols for us in America. Again, you go to other parts of the world, you see how other people live. My dear friend whose son had brain cancer, he doesn't have a refrigerator to put his medicine in. He has to borrow a neighbor's refrigerator. Most of us would never, I'm not saying we should, but would never even consider that. That would be an option. So what I'm saying is we don't spend the time biblically, spiritually, ethically to invest in these issues, to do our homework. We go off sound bites, we go off slogans, you know, jingos, if you will, marketing shticks. We don't really think and pray these issues through. And so I, I don't want to cop an attitude towards people, but I want to attempt to educate them and engage in dialogues with people and ask them, why do you hold this? Why do you think this is okay? Please give me, give me your best shot. Not in an argumentative, abrasive sense, but seriously, what's your best argument? Why do you think abortion's okay? And I believe that's part of the problem, so I wasn't just going off on a tangent. I am loaded for bear on this, but, but, but I'm saying, Steve, that I think it's we've got to encourage and demand that other Christians think, and that they think biblically, that they have a worldview, and that they bring their views on ethics, as in other areas, in line with a biblical perspective. But what often happens is we're Christians, but our views are far more influenced by worldly ideas and thoughts and things that are actually antithetical to Christianity. So I think we have to engage people. But that's not going to happen by just calling, not that you're doing it, but by calling people's names and uh, have a yeah. condescending attitude towards them. That's not going to change anything. It's just going to further exacerbate the problem, sure. in my opinion. Yeah. So we've right. got to engage people, hopefully winsomely, but effectively, but demand 
look, you say you're a Christian, then please then present this to me. I'm, I'm asking you, how, how do you justify this? Open, honest, civil debate, but you're not going to get that uh, because uh, people, Christians uh, in particular, well, those who are professing Christians, remember, everybody that says they're a Christian, not necessarily a Christian. It's not our job necessarily for the harvest of the fruit, uh, who's a believer or not a believer, but like Craig said, we have to engage. And so I think, uh, uh, in all due respect, Steve, to your world, whatever world you're in, once you engage the world that you're in, Craig is in a particular world. I'm in a particular world. The people that comes in our world, let us engage them in that a way that we talked about the apologetics earlier, in a gentle but yet firm respect. There was a, a boxing referee. I used to love this guy. I don't necessarily like his refereeing, but I love the phrase he used. Uh, he used to say, I'm firm, but I'm fair. So you can be firm and fair in your um, in discussion of any subject, and please don't shy away from it. I mean, not from anybody. Bring it up. With that, with that respect, and then I think that you would get a whole lot better conversation, and maybe the spirit of God can move upon the people because just uh, just plant, just water, let trust God for the increase. God bless you guys. Appreciate Thank you, brother. You. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thanks, Steve. PCH, and that's and that sometimes is problematic. I mean, I remember when I first became a Christian, brother, I mean, I, my personality was more front than uh, anything else as far as the Word of God. And when I finally read uh, what it was saying, I even want to bring up this issue before we go to the phone calls, is about the ups and downs of Peter in uh, the book of Matthew and also in um, and Mark, where uh, I think it's around 16, 16, what Peter said, uh, answer what, when Jesus gave him credit, flesh and blood, did not say that to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And then just moments later, saying, Peter, get behind me, Satan. So in between that is where we all are, <laughs> you know, in dealing with the vicissitudes of life. Well, Daryl, I'll, I'll say one last thing here. You know, I, I teach at a law school, but I also teach theology. I also teach uh, history. I have a background in that as well. I have formal degrees in these areas. A few people are wondering, well, how can you teach all these areas? Because I went to school for 15 years at <laughs> a high school. People say I'm a professional student. In fact, I'm still going. You, but know, you, love rate, it. you know you love it. And I have a background in philosophy as well. Um, but my point is, I'll have a class and I'll just tell my students straight up. I say, look, and at one level I do care about how you feel, but in this class I don't. This is not a group therapy class. This is... And please don't assume you're the only intelligent, educated person in here. I said the person next to you is probably just as educated, intelligent, maybe brighter than you, and they need an argument. They need reason. They need evidence. Uh, we're going to have intelligent dialogue, not browbeat people, name, call, roll our eyes, do things that are offensive body language-wise. Give me a good argument for your view. Why should we convert to your perspective? Exactly. And my goal is to help Christians think, but not just think, which I do teach logic, but to think biblically, to think in light of a Christian consistent worldview. How do your views square with Scripture? If there is a God, and he's half as smart as the Bible says he is, he knows a few things that you don't. If you disagree with him, I'm asking you to give me a good argument why I should hold your view versus his view. I think that's pretty fair. Well, not only is it fair, PCA, but my question to you is how are the professing Christians, uh, for the most part, is going to establish knowing what the Word of God says if they're not well, opening it up systematically? Often they don't. Often they don't. They don't, and it's my job, that's part of my job, is to train them what the biblical view is. And I don't just tell them like a little, you know, pop a bird giving them the worm. But I said, look, here's the arguments, pro and con, of what I think that, that the issue is. Now, if you disagree, then I'm looking for a reasonable explanation from mm -hmm. your perspective. But again, we need to take every thought captive to Christ. We yes. need to think God's thoughts after him. And if God has revealed his view on something, 
um, then I'm just saying, look, give me a, a reasonable, calculated, uh, measured argument with evidence that proves your perspective. If you claim to be a Christian, you might want to consider making your views align with God. Not just because he's bigger than you and will beat you up, but because he knows what he's talking about. Jesus basically said such when he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Yes. In other words, if he's really your Lord, you might want to seriously consider having your views um, line up with his. And again, not just because he's going to beat you up, he's, he's bigger than you, but because he's smarter, with all due respect. You know, it, isn't that what Paul talks about being a, a I'm going to get the word right, doulos, of being a, a, serv- a willing servant, a bond, a bond, a bond, bond servant, bond slave, a, you know, yeah. bond slave for Christ. The master, and it is not—it's not his—it's not our word anyway. It's his word, and so um, his word is not going to return on him void, but it's going to accomplish the very thing which he sent it. If we happen to be the vehicle, then you know, praise God for having a, a small part in the kingdom of God. One triple eight L A talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven PCH. Professor Craig Hawkins, Daryl Easy D Fulton. Call Daryl right now. One triple eight L A talks. You get your questions set up, and we have like the fourth quarter of the broadcast right now. I'm gonna go back to the phone calls. Talk to our good friend Douglas. Douglas from Los Angeles. Thanks for calling in, your brother. Is uh, praying for Christ's help in conflict with the macho qualities of strength and independence. And your question about that, Doug, is, is is that you're talking about for use in particular, or, or what, what's, your, what's your question in particular about it? Well, another way of putting it is, uh, is praying uh, uh, um, um, an indication of a person being a wuss. Ah. <laughs> you know, let me, let me put it this way. I think that uh, praying to me is like having a conversation with my father who has recently passed away. And having a conversation with my father and having a relationship with my father, if that's uh, a wuss, as they say in a modern vernacular, then call me the biggest wuss there is because the relationship that I had with my parents, that's how I look at praying with God. Yeah, actually, I think showing there's nothing wrong with realizing our dependency upon God and yes. need for his aid and his help. By the way, if he's omnipotent, Latin, all-powerful, then, then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um... I just have to chuckle. Um, my dad was a drill instructor in the, in the Marine Corps. <laughs> he, he fought at the end of World War II through Korea and Vietnam. And uh, anybody knows my dad wouldn't exactly call him a wuss, uh, <laughs> to put it mildly. Uh, and yet my dad's a committed Christian, and uh, by the grace of God, he's still alive, actually. Yes. He's, uh, well, I'm looking to push 90 this next mm. year. Uh, he'll be 90, but uh, should he see January? Uh, but at any rate, yeah, no, it, there's these caricatures and stereotypes that Christians are just, you know, uh, basically just, basically you can't, you, you're not tough enough to uh, mentally, physically, emotionally to, to, to hang with the world, so you, gotta, you need the crutch of Christianity. But I would actually argue, it has been said, that no, the crutch is actually trying to run away from God and try to live your life as if there is no God, when it's just patently not the case, and you can't do that. So there was an old saying, I think it was Thomas Erskine, I'm not sure, I think it was Thomas Erskine, said something to the effect of, it doesn't take much of a man to be a Christian, it just takes all of them. And what he meant by that is, you don't have to be noble or powerful or a mighty warrior or something to be a Christian, but we'll take all of you, we'll take all of your strength. To, to, to be consistent and to live the Christian life. It'll, it'll demand every ounce of strength and intelligence you have to live a consistent, godly life. And so I just find that amusing. I was talking with my, uh, my boys today about some stuff about... I have some friends um, 
who bench press over 600 pounds, and some of them are in the 500-pound club. Um, and, I, and, and, and there was a reason we were talking about this. It came up, actually, because the boys had somebody who allegedly said their father benched 500 pounds, and we were talking about that. And uh, at any rate, uh, these guys are all committed Christians, and to call these guys wusses, and then I have a background in martial arts. I have friends who are really proficient in karate. So to call them wusses wouldn't be good for your health. <laughs> so I, I find that amusing. No, it's a great question. I'm not knocking your question. But I find, Doug, those who think that way, I find that amusing. It's just so uh, not the case. I, I know so many contemporary examples of people who, and not just because of physical prowess, but, I mean, mental and otherwise, just mental and emotional toughness, uh, uh, would not be that way if it was not for Christianity and for their, specifically their reliance upon God. And I would simply say that. Go ahead, Doug. What you're saying is that uh, their, their strength and independence uh, comes from Christ? Absolutely. If there, if there is a God, and my reliance upon him doesn't make me weak. If I'm in a, a military situation and I'm outnumbered and I'm outmanned uh, by manpower, in quotes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with relying upon somebody to help me. I would just call it sheer stupidity to do otherwise. Uh, there is even Aristotle in his ethics, and there's a big debate about uh, the, what's called the golden means. But you know, Aristotle talks about bravery, but he also talks about rashness. And he says bravery is look, it's, it's not the opposite. It's not rashness. There's people who are just stupid and risk their lives needlessly, foolishly, you know, a rashness, and easily lose their life. That that's not that's not being you know, a a tough person or a wise person, but it is a measured, calculated assessment of a given danger or a situation. Saying simply, I cannot do something, I, I'm not smart enough, I don't have enough strength, physical, emotionally, mentally, what have you. And to rely upon God, uh, that's not showing that one is weak. Indeed, to me, it shows their toughness, that they're, and they're smart enough to realize, I, this is over my head. I, I am in, in an area that's just way beyond me, and I'm going to rely upon God. And to me, that's the wise, smart, and indeed, I would argue, calculated thing to do. Indeed, shows true strength. There are these stereotypes of what it, a macho is, you know, <laughs> and what it means to be a man. I think that there are these uh, nonsense going on in our culture today, trying to, to feminize all men. But I think there is still the, you know, the, the macho nonsense that's out there as well. That you know, men don't stop and ask for directions, don't don't eat quiche and other silly stuff. And I think Christians need to, to try to rise above that and model what it really means to be a man. I know with my sons, I've tried, tried to do that and show them that, look, to be a Christian doesn't mean you're weak. My, my boys are just uh, actually getting their, just up for their black belt, you know, for example. And, uh, but my, my motto is you never use this to harm somebody. You never use it to, to bully anybody. It's actually used when you have to to protect people. I said, but, you know, being weak is always going to get you to do is get picked on. There's, there's nothing virtuous about being weak. Uh, but on the other hand, we don't want to use this to ever harm anybody. This is used to protect, God forbid, yourself and or others when it's absolutely necessary and there's no other option. 100%. We were told to decrease and let Christ increase by John the Baptist, the greatest man Jesus said came from mother's uh, woman's womb. Yeah. But, Doug, thank you very much for your question, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. PCH, that number is one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. I know you know it, folks. We have a few open lines. Take an opportunity to call in. This is the fourth quarter of our broadcast. So let's go to our good friend Dan in South Bay. Dan, thanks for holding on and calling in, brother. Hi, gentlemen. Hey, brother, how you doing, sir? I'm all right. You? Doing well, doing well. Hi, Craig. Hey, Dan. Good evening. Always good to hear from you, brother, my friend. Did did you ever get your luggage back? 
Stop yeah, it. I did. <laughs> After I wore clothes okay. for a week, uh, the same clothes, because I was in a rural part of India, the border with Myanmar, no place to buy clothes. Yeah. <laughs> the I good news that is that your they, story. I didn't know if it caught up with you or you didn't get it till you got back home or you no, didn't get it at but all. What happened is just quickly my flight got basically delayed. It would have caused me to miss all my other flights, so they put me on another airline. They lost my luggage. And then they made it like they were doing me a favor when they finally found my luggage and they wanted me to come get it. I'm like, that's not how this works. But fortunately, <laughs> I actually had to, fortunately for me, I actually had to fly back to, through another airport to go to the next place I was going to train another group of, uh, of leaders. And they were able to uh, send the luggage. Finally, got them to send the luggage to this airport to a particular airline, and then I was able to get that from them. Uh, but I'm hoping just, you got a free flight uh, for your next. Yeah, they, no, they gave me nothing. Trust me, and I, I don't want to spend time. Uh, and I'm glad you asked. Hey, 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 hey. All of my <laughs> flights. They, then they then what? This, for example, lastly, then they canceled my other flight. So when I went to go on the airlines, I was supposed to come home on. They're like, "Well, you're not even in here." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And so I had to go through another ordeal, and I thought I oh might not my. catch my flight home. Because L- listen, you guys, you guys making me want to get a, a check again. You know I used to work in that industry, so give me a break, guys. I, I could talk to you yeah. about this and settle you down. <laughs> and thanks for your question, though, Dan. <laughs> Next uh, caller. Uh, no, go right. What's your question, brother, from a, from a Bible information broker perspective? We appreciate that right. you caring about Craig. Yo. The, uh, <laughs> I was, Robert Bowman was on a couple weeks while you were gone, and he mentioned it, robertbowman.net. And it's pretty good stuff. But I got in there, and, and I'm looking at it, and, and he's on the top ten reasons for accepting Jesus. Jesus' I am sayings in John as historically reliable. And that's go, that's great. So I started reading this thing. And then, and then it, it gets into, he was talking about there was a debate and two sides of it. And, he, and then he tried to come through and explain. But it got pretty deep. Uh, the I am sayings, it says what biblical scholars call the, I'm going to probably slaughter this, the uh, ipsisma verba, very words of Jesus, versus uh, the very voice. Right. Ip- ipsisma vox, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you know about. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I was a, I, I used to give, before I was saved, I used to give the arguments that non-Christians give about, well, it's not it's not translated right, and they've and, and they've left things out, and and then I got to be a fundamentalist after I was saved. Then I got to be a neo-fundamentalist. Then I find out, well, we got to go back to the original, and now I'm finding out, all right, because he, now he's really getting me to scratch my head here because he says, okay, well, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. The best they can do is translate it into Greek. Uh, and now we've got it in English. So I've got to go from my English back to the Greek. But I don't know what he said in Aramaic, and that's what they're talking about here. Um, what, he says, I'm comfortable with this expression as long as we don't use it too loosely on the very voice. Um, you have very voice versus the very words. And I'm accepting the scripture as God breathed. And a lot of times you talk about when we have a translation that sometimes it's better to have the whole idea rather than to get into the literal. Uh, so what do you got to say on this? And this now it's not only on on the I am statements, but anything else that he said, as he said, except when they say it in Aramaic. 
Sure. Well, but but here's the thing, of course. But it was translated and it's written in Greek, so it's not. It's well, it's originally Aramaic, and now they're converting it over. It's, the, 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 we're claiming that the, the the Greek text is indeed the autographs, as we say, are, is inspired. Yes. It is is the official translation. It is it is exactly what God wanted, no more, no less. Little, Thank there's several you. things. Wow. So this is this is open up a great can of worms. A great topic. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure I know Rob's view on this. He's very conservative. I think, you know, Rob and I hold the same view. I have no reason to believe otherwise, unless he's changed his views, and I have no reason to believe that. But, yeah, is it the very words or, or, or the voice? There is this idea, and, and let me give you some examples. And there's a book by a guy named Nicholas Walderstorff, a philosopher and a Christian, and it's called Divine Discourse. Divine Discourse, and he's not the only one, but he does this... Now, he would hold it, it's the voice, and he would use the example of, um, of an ambassador. An ambassador can speak for the president, for example, or for the country they're from, and they can mm-hmm. give a verbatim message. Here's the message, Here, this, I dictated this, or here's the, what was said, I had it recorded, this is the exact message. Verbatim, okay? Um, but sometimes, so, and that, of course, would be official, and that's exactly what the president or who, the prime minister or whomever said. Another way this could be done, though, is they could say, "Look, you know how I think on this. You can put it in your own words, but I, but, but you need to communicate this. You know, this is our view. This is my view. Say, Prime Minister, President, and you're not at liberty to change this, but you can put it in your own words, as long as you convey exactly what I mean." Meaning, yes. Okay, so there it is. Almost literally, it's still the same. I want the exact same thing, and then. There are times where you could, someone could say, well, you can paraphrase, or you can ad lib, you know, or this is my general thoughts. Here's some parameters. Stay within these parameters, and you're still efficiently representing me. I, in other words, I've given you uh, what's the power of attorney, if you will. There's various terms for this. And so you can do this. Speak for me. And sometimes, you know, they uh, allow, among some things, great liberty, uh, a lot of latitude, we would say. Um, but I'm going to argue the biblical view is, no, God says uh, he gave them the very words. And, and why? Because Christ says, for example, you know, rebuking this, the Sadducees, he says, you know, have you not read? You do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. He says, because he said, he then quotes the Old Testament, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, present tense verb versus past tense, right? Jesus says literally, you know, not one jot or tittle shall pass. He's referring to what we would call as a, as a vowel point or a, a vowels in Hebrew or an iota subscript, uh, what we call accent marks in Greek, if you will. Jesus says none of that's going to fail until all, and all will be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. You know, Paul in Galatians is arguing to the seed coming through Abraham and, and, and the child of promise, right, Isaac. And he said, and, and his argument is, and to, the seed, and to seed, not unto seeds, you know, to, through Jesus. So it's a singular versus plural noun. So... Uh, I don't see how you can get away from the concept that's down to the very words uh, in context, the very letters, I would argue, in context, not just period, but in context. Um, so w- now you need to understand, when, when I talk about, if I use the term voice or the thoughts or ideas, I'm not countermanding that. I'm not contradicting myself or denying that. But if you read a passage where it says, the mountains skip for joy and clap their hands, that wasn't meant to be taken literal. What is to be taken literal is that's literally poetry. That is metaphor. That is simile, if you will. 
literary devices, right? And so the literal view is, is I, that's why when I would say interpreting the Bible via the grammatical historical method, uh, I'm not going to use the term, take the Bible literally, I'm going to say as it was intended to be understood. Uh, because literally sometimes simply is not what it means. If, again, if I use an idiom, that guy is off the wall. I don't mean he just literally, like Spider-Man, came off the wall. I mean his views are out there in the sense that they're not credible or otherwise. And so I want you not to take me literally, but to understand what, what the intention was, what I was trying to communicate. If I say facetiously, that guy's a bright bulb, and you know, in fact, I don't respect him intellectually. You can't take me literally, but you should get my intentions of what I mean. And so what I'm saying is, in my view, is, and I understand Rob's view is, Rob's view is the same as mine. We want to get the voice, but by getting the voice, we're not denying the literal words. So we can have the voice from the Latin phrase, and we can have the literal words, and it's both and, not either or. Now, some would argue it's, uh, Waldersdorf would hold a view, well, it's just, it's like an ambassador. They, 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 they paraphrase, they use their own uh, word pictures and vocabulary, but they communicate the gist of what the president or prime minister wants. My view is not that view. My view is, no, God, literally, down to the very letters. Pasa grafe theopnistos, in Greek, all scripture is God-breathed. And uh, I would believe, um, I would argue in, in light of you know, a lot of study in this area that that is the biblical view. So I take scripture very seriously. Um, and on the other hand, having studied philosophy and history and everything else, I don't take a lot of humans very seriously because I think hmm. we, one contradicts another, contradicts another, contradicts right. another. Right. Not that we don't study and learn and profit from that, but it's not, if there is a God, and this God has spoken, that kind of, you know, the old E.F. Hutton commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, right. people listen. Right. The wise person, when God speaks, if God has spoken, it's time to be quiet and listen to what God has said. So, Dan, does that help? With the, oh, the yeah. You put, me, you put my mind at ease and, uh, and my heart as well. Um, this is, I really believe what you, the way you look at it. I, I'm with you. Uh, to say that it's paraphrased, I don't, I don't get a paraphrased Bible in the first place. And then when I get one that's close, uh, and then I get something that's, that carries the idea, more the ambassador idea, one that has the ambassador, another one that's a little more literal. Mm-hmm. And try and look at it from those two places. And I believe that it's God-breathed. And then, you, and then you're going to take me to, oh, we, we might not even have what he says. Then, then you get, and I've got experts, and they always get me doubting myself. And then I come back, and then you settle me back down to where I was and when I started well, before I looked at this. And I was very fortunate. My first graduate degree, uh, I st- in apo- and it was actually in apologetics, and one of my professors was Kim Rudelbarger, and there was a masterful class on uh, uh, the reliability and authenticity of the Bible, and it was a year course, four units. It was a phenomenal class, and we, I, I mean, read this in depth many, many works. I mean, I just didn't flippantly come to this conclusion because Mommy and Daddy told me, or my mm-hmm. favorite third-grade Sunday school teacher, um, and I also went to graduate school where I had professors who totally denied this and thought this was laughable, and I had to hold my own ground with them. Uh, but the point is, um, so again, you know, Walter Storff would hold the divine, in divine discourse would hold that it's basically, it's the voice, it's, you know, you've given the ambassador license to ad lib and to imbe- uh, use their own words and vocabulary, but but the, 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 the dialogue is so precise by Jesus. He quotes the Bible verbatim in Luke four, Matthew four. 
over and over again, arguments depend upon present versus past tense, or a passive versus active voice, or singular versus plural noun. Um, it's the precision is there, and again, if you're dealing with an infinite God who's omniscient, who's all knowing, that's no big deal. If you're talking about a human, and uh, then well, it is a big deal. But 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 that's why I take the Bible so seriously. And you know, when when it says, for example, I don't take this as hyperbole. In the Deuteronomy, you know, eight three, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I believe it is Amen. literally every word in context. Or in the, I think it's Deuteronomy thirty two forty six forty seven, where Moses charging Israel, and Joshua says, you know, take heed to these words; uh, they are not idle words; they are your life. You know, PC uh, agent, look, God put a premium on the words that we say because everything that we say have a meaning, a, a context, and a thought behind a heart issue that only God can read. So we may miss each other, but God said even the idle words uh, that that we speak are going to be um, uh, we held accountable for. Them. Yeah, and, and my final Parthenian shot on this, and it kind of goes to some other issues tonight. Is again, I value education. I, I've been this, this will be my tw- end of this year will be my 29th year teaching graduate students. Okay, I went to college for 15 years, not high school. I'm not counting the 12 through high school. I'm talking 15 years after the fact, full time, not part time, full time. Um, I value education. I value learning. Anybody listens to this program, you may disagree with me, but I've read fairly widely, and I love to study all kinds of things. Um, but and I've I've worked with and as my my colleagues have two three year doctorates, not not honorary degrees and all that, from some of the best schools in the world. Okay, not some podunk university in in the you know outback or something. With all due respect to some folks, um, but from you know Oxford and Yale and Harvard and other major school, Cambridge and whatnot. But you know what? I've come to see humans just aren't that smart. We, we give ourselves too much credit. Mm. We, we think we know more That's than we do, much. and we think we're better arguers than we really are. And I really believe, I honestly believe this, I, I, and I've hung around with some incredibly bright people, and I, I've studied on some people who are world famous for their scholarship, uh, but I was never that, that, that impressed with anybody like, wow, this person is just the, this is the sine qua non, this is it. But I think in heaven, I think we're going to be embarrassed I think we're going to think, oh, people who took God by His word seriously, they were just like, you know, they were they were fundamentalists, they were uh, simplistic, sim- you know, simpletons. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be, uh, to their chagrin, embarrassed, uh, uh, literally turning red with embarrassment when God goes through and says, "Look, let me show you how accurate this really was." I think He's going to blow our minds and go, "You did." You did I don't think God's going to say to anybody, y- y- "Your problem was you took this too seriously." I think He's going to say to people and prove literally through demonstration is you didn't take this serious enough. Right. You thought you could monkey with this. You thought you could ad lib. You thought you could improve this. You thought you could paraphrase. And you were wrong. Yes. Dan, thanks for your call. We're going to get to Frank now, right now, brother. I appreciate you all the time, Dan. Thanks. Love you, guys. Love you too, man. Well, Dan, thank you. You know, Craig, uh, I mean, look, I, I can get into it. We can be on this phone, uh, on this uh, broadcast for more hours talking about the seriousness of the Word of God. And who is it that wrote that um, that, that, that sermon about us uh, in, the, in the hands of an angry God? Was that who was Jonathan that, uh, Edwards? Jonathan Edwards, man. I remember when I heard that. Listen, let's go to Frank for the last call in Glendora. Frank, thanks for holding on and calling in. Thank you. Your question, sir. Yeah, two questions. Uh, one is, uh, a friend of mine is asking me to get involved with the thing called Bible Study Fellowship. Have you guys ever heard of it? Yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's a solid program. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything they say, as they wouldn't agree with everything I say, but overall, I'm 
pretty conversant with a lot of their material, and I think it's overall it's really, really good. Okay, great. And second of all, um, a guy that used to go to it doesn't go, and, and he's a he's a guy that um, I've known for several years, and he's always telling me to watch this man called Joseph Prash on YouTube. Do you know of him? I'm sorry, what's the name again? Uh, Joseph Prash. P-R-A-S-C-H? P-A-R-C-H. Something like that. Yeah, he's a guy that's always on there. When when uh, Calvary Chapel, you know, and, and Chuck Smith went away, he he's he's talking about how you know there's going to be a big breakup, and he's he's always kind of bashing on churches and and saying what's right, and what's wrong about them all the time. And and a friend yeah. of mine, it's like he's always he's always a fault finder. Does that make any sense to you, brother? Yeah, Frank, I I, I will try to make a point of trying to look this guy up. I'm I'm not conversant with him. It's, okay. Uh, let me just say this real quickly. It's kind of funny because people often accuse us of doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but we would argue, and we're not trying to fall fine, but we are trying to discern truth. But I'm, I want to look it up and find out that maybe I can give you, uh, well, I can't give you an informed answer. I, uh, I will try to do that so I can see where he's coming from. But there are people. There are people out there, and I'm just, concerned, I'm just speaking in general. Who, yeah, that's like they seem to be masters at pointing out everybody else's faults, and they seem to have no inkling of their own shortcomings. So mm-hmm. I can't say that this is the case of this guy. I'll look, but I've certainly met people like that. It's like all they do is criticize others, and of course, the assumption is, of course, or the implicit premise is that they could do better, and then, and that, of course, remains to be seen often, to say the least. Yeah. Right, and he always says that any church that accepts the uh, the tax exemption is is of the enemy. Is, is oh, see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, there you go. Yo, yeah. yeah, obviously we're compromised. Yeah, I'm, there you go. Hey, Frank, look, we we're getting close to the uh, top of the end of the broadcast, brother. So I appreciate your phone call. I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, thanks, Frank. I plan on looking that up. Yeah, him up. All right, PCH, we got um, ninety seconds for you to tell me if you uh, will get a pre commitment from Christians to do. Or whatever many things you can sell in 90 seconds, what would you have the Christians do if we will pre-commit to you? Two things. You know, I just got back from Myanmar and India, and if you could see how your brothers and sisters live, I, I think that a lot of us would be a little, a little more um, circumspect about how we live. And not that you can't enjoy things, but be willing to give tithe more, to give more money to, 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 to ministry, to train Christian leaders throughout the world. There's a dire need of Christian leaders. Many are coming to Christ, but there's no uh, solid leadership in many cases. That's number one. Uh, look at our website and see some of the people we trained, and uh, I would encourage you there. The second thing, Daryl, we're not trying to think for people. We're not trying to tell them what to think per se, but we are attempting to educate them on how to think, the art and science of that, and to think God's thoughts in light of what the, the Bible, the full counsel of God says. The Bible tells us, test all things, hold fast to that which is good. Quickly, that includes what we say. We're, we're not saying, oh, don't check what we say. Oh, we're saying check what we say and compare it, though, with the standard, the gold standard, the Word of God, the Bible. Thank you, PCH. I'll just um, add on to that, my little, uh, if you're going to pre-commit to something that you will do and you'll commit to before I tell you what it is, I would ask that people let their yay be yay and their nay be nay when dealing with each other and dealing with uh, the people of the world and show favor <clears throat> to the body of Christ, not 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 exclusively, but um, remember that we have a golden nugget. It's called eternity is satisfied in Christ for us. How dare us not share that with someone who may be lost? How dare you not take the opportunity to share what was given to you freely? And how dare you even be offended when they crucified the Christ? 
So I would just ask and pray. I would ask and seriously pray that people, when you say you're going to pray for someone, pray. You know, good and well, like Craig was alluding to earlier, that you don't sit up there and pray for hours and hours. So I don't know, maybe those days are gone as far as people doing that, unless it's special uh, Christianity, Adventism, as I call it. But I'm going to ask that you simply let your word be yay or nay, be concise and, um, you know, honest with each other. Be candid with each other, especially believers. We need to just step up and be candid with each other. And by all means, read your word, then study your word. Then read your word and study your word so you will get it in proper context. On behalf of PCH, Daryl, Andy, thank you very much for a great job. My name is Daryl E.C.D. Fulton, Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy saying, if the Lord willing, we'll be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries. God bless you, and we'll see you next week, Lord willing.